everybody, and welcome to another episode of Oh God, It Hurts! <laughs> oh God, it hurts. <laughs> so bad. Uh, as always, uh, I am one of your co-hosts of this fine show, The Six Butt Samurai, a.k.a. JGJ. And with me, as always, live from across the Pacific, is my good friend, Game Agent E.T. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm a little tired. Work's been yeah. kicking my butt. A lot of teaching so going on. And, uh, yeah. A lot of teaching, a lot of learning. Yeah. Getting my learn on, too, to be nice. honest. Yeah. A lot of, you lot learn of... the children's, and then they learn you. Kind of, sort of. Yeah. They, they learn me with uh, the trendy stuff that's going on in Japan right now. Um, right. One thing I kind of picked up was uh, a new anime called Spy Family. I mm. don't know if you heard about that, but... I can't say I have. Oh. It's kind of interesting. It's like the yeah. number one anime and manga right now in Japan, and kids were telling me about it, so I finally watched it on Netflix, and yeah, it's pretty good. You should check nice. it out if you can. Yeah. Okay. It's, uh, I'm not sure if that's up on US Netflix or not, but I'll have to look for it. Yeah, it's uh kind of ongoing right now because they're doing like the first season, but okay. the manga has progressed quite a bit from what I understand. So, but Sweet. yeah, that's what I've been learning on. How about you? What you've been Excellent. up to? Um, I have been in sort of um house reshuffle pokery because I am between jobs at the moment. I am in a very different place than you are right now because I have not worked in two weeks uh, completely voluntarily, though. So it's been nice to have a break from, you know, the constant grind of monitoring some social channels. But now, um, you know, I'm excited about starting my new thing on Monday and um you know, kind of getting my studio space here a little more organized, a little more properly laid out. So, you That's know, good. it's a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to get that refresh and good to get that time to kind of do the things that maybe you didn't have enough time to do before. And nothing better than just doing something like cleaning or reorganizing to... Yeah, kind of do something that's n not going to be uh, focused uh, heavily mentally and yeah. just yeah, out just with the kinda, old in with the new. Yeah, de definitely. <laughs> so I hope that refresh will do you good. Yeah. No, I'm oh definitely my. feeling uh, like my creative space here is coming together and, um, you know, hopefully that will result in a little more of a steady stream of things especially to help support this podcast because you know we need some more content flow some more things happening because you know i know you and i have a lot of ideas that we haven't quite dived into yet with this show but yeah. sooner rather than later That's um definitely, man. yeah let's uh shuffle over to the water cooler and uh, dip into some of the topics du jour. Um, one of the big things that was discussed in the last couple of weeks um, 
the Xbox showcase for Bethesda titles is scheduled for June 12th. However, they dropped a pretty big and for some giant bummer of an announcement in that two of their really big titles, Starfield and Redfall, are going to fall through their fall original fall 2022 release dates into the first half of 2023. Um, I find this really, really fascinating just as like a sort of bellwether for like how quickly the tide of opinion can change on social media, especially with this as like a hot button topic, because um, as you and I both know a while back when there was the, big news that Microsoft was purchasing Activision Blizzard. A lot of people were like, holy crap, like these guys are on their way to a monopoly, you know? And again, we were sort of like, well, you know, let's see how this pans out. Like apparently that's still not a done deal and regulators may yet, you know, spurn that one or cause it not to happen nobody knows for sure yet but it's very interesting just as an example of how ridiculously far the pendulum can swing we went from oh my god monopoly to now with this news about these two bethesda titles being delayed oh my god xbox has no games hmm (laughs) wow and yeah I don't know, man. I mean, it's such a strange time for gaming because like both of these newer consoles, I don't think either one of them have shown that absolute world crusher thing that proves why this next generation of consoles is indispensable yet. At least well, yeah. in my humble opinion, I don't think it's happened. I think it's been very iterative. And a lot of that has to do with the chip shortage. A lot of that has to do with the fact that most titles that have come out thus far have been, they've overwhelmingly leaned towards being cross-gen titles. So you're not seeing a lot that's really been developed from the ground up for you know specifically to show off these new machines um well what do you think about all of this well let me uh try to think about what exactly microsoft has on in their stable that is exclusive for example what halo came out with halo infinite right right and then you have forza and I think that is still having content coming out for it. Is that correct? I don't know for sure, but I mean, Forza still gets an awful lot of play. It's, it continues to be a very, very popular game. Um, Halo infinite has had a lot of problems. Yeah. Um, Our buddy Hoptimus told us that. And I hear from time to time when he talks about it, with uh veneer on the the adult gamer uh podcast so right yeah i mean after that i mean 
What about Gears of War? There hasn't been anything with that franchise in a while, right? I That's Xbox exclusive. I don't think so, but that uh, that series has never totally been my jam. That's definitely a Optimus thing. Yeah. Um, so you'd have to pick his brain on like where that's going or where that might be headed. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Like, it seems to me like at this point, you know, Microsoft might be in need of pulling an ace out of the hole just to quiet down some of this chatter. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. Like, to me, it's more representative of the generation of consoles overall than it is particularly damning of Xbox itself. You know what I mean? That could be true. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you said, multi platform titles are quite, uh, how should I say it? There's numerous uh, amounts of them. I mean, right. Activision Blizzard, you have to look at them. Yeah. Have they announced anything that they're going to exclusively make for Xbox? I don't No, I mean remember. they're they've been pretty clear in that like these next immediate Call of Duty titles are still going to remain multi-platform and I think it's frankly because they can't afford not to sell that game to everybody that still owns and rocks a PS4. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like that's that's too big of an installed user base to ignore. So yeah, I don't know, man. And even I'm if still they sti- were, <laughs> yeah, like even if they were going to make something uh, exclusive to Xbox, that would take at least two years, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I, I definitely because won't. They... Like we we know people that work on some of those games, and so I definitely wouldn't want to hazard a guess about how yeah. long it takes to build one of those things from the ground up because i know like you know functionally you've had a couple of studios that have been locked on to making those titles for a really long time so i think it would be it would be difficult to quantify that as something like well no this was developed from the ground up and started from zero here because i'm sure they've just got like an ongoing rotation of ideas and discussion. And every time they're going forward, you know, green lighting a new title, there's probably elements of that carousel that get yoinked into it or left on the shelf. Right. Yeah, exactly. So no, I, I just, I don't know, man, like this, this continues to just be a really, really strange you yeah. know, set of platforms and, you know, a, a a hardware generation that just seems a bit stalled overall. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, I agree with that. And <laughs> as I, men- I mentioned, for uh, Xbox to see the fruits of their labor with acquiring so many companies, like, didn't they acquire Beth- Bethesda, like, about two years ago? Yeah, it was a uh, two or three years ago now that um, yeah. that they announced that acquisition, and of course that was a really big deal considering some of the properties that they hold. You know, between the Elder Scrolls, Doom, etc. I mean, yeah, those are some really big and important games. So we'll see if there's 
yeah something else lurking under microsoft's sleeve that you know will I mean, at this point, they have so many studios, you have to think there's got to be something else on the back burner that they're going to break out with before long to sort of quiet down the the peanut gallery. But I don't know. Maybe, Again, it's maybe, just... <laughs> maybe Blinks. Remember Blinks? <laughs> <laughs> the cat Dude, game? I, don't... <laughs> I, I am so excited about Fusion Frenzy 3. Let me tell oh, you. Oh, yes. <laughs> Oh, don't hate on Fusion Frenzy. People swear by that game. They lo- they actually love it because they didn't have Mario Party for Xbox, so that was like the closest they can get. They could right. get, and actually, a lot of people want. They would want it to be honest. So, <laughs> but uh, I guess the final thing I would say is, well, Nintendo. I mean, you know how much of a fan I am with Nintendo. Um, no. every time they have, <laughs> no, no way. But <laughs> but um like when this happens to Nintendo they always have a something that they could just pull out and say oh well sorry we couldn't pull you know pull through with this game but hey why don't we show you this game and then we're kind of satisfied yeah. with that but Xbox or even Sony if, yeah. if that happened to them what could they do Right. So no, we'll see. I mean, the only four words I have for Microsoft at this point, yeah, <sighs> crimson fucking skies too, man. That's all I want. Yeah, that's yeah. all I want. Just do it. Spring <laughs> yeah, it out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah. I just sorry. I, just... I think you just don't like. <sighs> That game is so fantastic, and I realize that, like, it may be one of those partially, like, a legalistic thing. Like, the rights to it may be in doubt, given what happened when that studio was dissolved. But, like, that game had such a fantastic and large Xbox Live presence. And for the longest time, it was packed in with the Xbox. So... You can't tell me that there wouldn't be a lot of players pretty jazzed about hopping on that. So, you know, at this moment when people are wondering, oh, you know, what games is that? What games is Microsoft going to bring out for the Xbox? Come on, man. Bring us that Crimson Skies 2, please. Yeah. That's all I want. <laughs> I, w- I would imagine there's not really a dearth of dogfighting games, especially kind of antique fighting uh dog fighting games as well even modern ones i mean i would wager ace combat is probably the only active series yeah in that realm and that's all like entirely modern and i mean crimson skies was kind of a hybrid because like yes you had prop planes and whatnot but they also had like weapons that didn't really exist on the aircraft of that era because it was kind of a retro futurist no plug intended thing (laughs) going on (laughs) yeah so i just oh i love that game i miss that game microsoft come on man just drop it put it out well 
<laughs> Hopefully they listen to this podcast and they can get started. But uh, I think it's kind of too late for this year's contingency plans. And yeah, that would take yeah. a monumental effort to bring that out by the end of this year. But well, we'll hopefully see. Hopefully someday. there's hopefully there's just something else cooking that they haven't talked about yet. And I'm sure they anticipated that, you know, with the delay of these two titles, there would be a bunch of concern trolling. Yeah. So. Fingers crossed, man. But yeah. in the meantime, you got your backlog. You got uh, exactly. Yeah. It's not like but... I actually need new games to purchase because yeah. wow. I haven't gotten through a fraction of the ones I own anyway. So, yeah. Um, so there's a really interesting story going around. If you've been following the retro games market as of late, which is something you and I discuss frequently here. Yeah. Um, prices have been going insane for a really long time. Just pretty much anything NES, Super NES, PlayStation, you know, 15 to 20 years older and beyond, the prices have just been going absolutely bonkers. And one of the big reasons for this are the actions of this particular sort of appraiser company called Wada Games. And if you poked around in a variety of video game blogs or different YouTube content, you've seen that a lot of people have been alleging that these folks are crooked and basically working to just... Fundamentally, these people, the people involved are kind of the same people that also helped jack comic book prices through the roof and so mm. you've seen a lot of the same tactics with some of these headline grabbing auction sales where something like a sealed super mario brothers one goes for an insane amount of money same thing happened with a box copy of the legend of zelda for nes and now apparently there's actually a class action lawsuit going forward in central California um, that accuses Wada Games of a variety of illegal practices, um, not the least of which is this sort of scheming to inflate prices with a variety of tactics, but also like just being late getting folks' product back to them because Essentially, they're appraisers. You pay them for a service. They grade the thing, and then they seal it and apply like a sticker that says, this is X grade. It's worth this much. It's complete, yada, yada, as a way of sort of lending some authenticity to these sales. And, of course, always in the name of boosting prices. Um, I, for one, am actually really stoked that somebody is taking some sort of legal action on this because I myself am really horrified at the idea that many of these games that we love would just become, you know, just trophies on somebody's wall instead of actually being played like they were meant to. Like, how do you feel about it, Ed? It belongs to a museum. (laughs) (laughs) No, it does not. I yeah. lie. Um, yeah. I I always had my suspicion from the very beginning because <laughs> I saw mint copies of Super Mario Brothers 
go from a hundred thousand dollars in 2019 from the same grading company mm-hmm. to almost two million. Right. That is one red flag. And I mean, then that's the also red... in a really short amount of time, too. Yeah, right. During so that... which, like, it's not like anything fundamentally changed about like the print run of that game or how many copies are floating around out there. Like, if you suddenly heard that, like, oh my god, we lost like forty percent of the copies of this particular game because there was a fire or something then there might be some sort of validity to that. But other otherwise, like, absent that, what's happening with this, you know? I agree, man. So <laughs> that's the exponential exponential jump that doesn't make a lick of sense. Um, right. And another thing was, there was another report, I think it was about last year, um, the co-founder of WATA, uh, mm-hmm. Mark Haspel, yeah. He was reported to have been selling games from his own collection. And guess what? It was raided by his company. And a guy named Seth Abramson of Proof Games, he mm-hmm. bought a game from him, unbeknownst to him because of his eBay account is not under his name. But then he got a little sticky note after he got his uh, game that mm-hmm. he bought from him from the auction. It said, oh, if you want to buy more games, email me at Mark Haspel at blah, blah, blah. Of course, he didn't re- reveal the rest of the email account. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's like, wait a minute. <laughs> and then he looked, found out that's the, co- the co-founder of Wata. And then looked at his eBay listings. There was about 50K worth of games rated by his company. None ranked lower than 9.0. Mm. So throw that, Sketchy. throw that in. Yeah. Throw that into the evidence bin. Yeah. I don't know about you, but it never passed the smell test. And yeah, I hope they go down because I don't know. I, I would think this would have a trickle down effect on retro games in general for the market. Yeah. I mean, it's like games that justifiably justifiably are rarer than let's say a mint copy of Super Mario Brothers. How much would people ask for those? Because they can obviously say, well, mine is not only mint, but it's a game that is such low print that you're not gonna find it anywhere else. So I could charge five million. Right. <laughs> you know? So Yeah, I mean there's there's been i mean there's been a market for this kind of thing for a relatively long time now i mean ever since the rise of ebay specifically you know yeah. there's been a fairly reliable yardstick for you know how tough it is to find something how much it goes for in what condition etc yeah and you know it's very strange that this company came along and then suddenly like, yeah, it's really difficult to find a game, you know, particularly like a black box NES game in mm-hmm. that kind of condition. I mean, you're talking, you know, 
print runs of these things that are a hell of a lot smaller than anything that came along years later, you know? Yeah. But, um, you're still dealing with relatively common games. I mean, I saw one article in the middle of all this where like there was a graded copy of John Madden football. And to me, like, it blows my mind that that would even be mentioned anywhere in the same breath as like something auctionable. Like I get it purely on like a historical value level, but at the same time, like if you ever worked in a used game shop back in the day, like used to ponder like making forts out of John Madden cartridges. Yeah. Like there were just a bazillion of them and they were, damn near worthless like you'd either like that was the kind of thing that like we'd bundle it with a used system or it would be marked down for a dollar in a discount bin um so it's really bizarre to see like the attempt to sort of re-quantify that kind of thing as some sort of smoke and collectible um which again, yeah, I mean, I think you made a great point with the whole like, well, shit, what does this mean for like an English copy of Panzer Dragoon Saga? You know, like that's a legitimately yeah. rare mainstream release that a lot of people would love to still have a copy of. And there's just, there's not enough for everybody that wants one. So that's always going to remain, you know, a legitimately expensive game. Exactly. And I don't know. I mean, in Japan, I don't think there's a rating system at all, like Wata at all. At I mean, you go to a place like Super Potato, the mm-hmm. video game store that you and I have been to. And right. I think uh, a lot of people that have their finger on the pulse on Japanese uh, retro gaming, they right. know that's one of the stores that you would visit if you came to Japan. Uh, mm-hmm. their prices are pretty high though, but even right. those you look at their cases and things you see complete in box, they may not be mint, but well, I don't know if they're mint or not, but they're not factory sealed. But right, you see those games going for like maybe up to a thousand US dollars, yeah. And how can that go from like if you were in Japan? Wouldn't that be a bargain if you found something like Super Mario Brothers for Famicom and it was as mint as you can possibly get it? And it's like a thousand bucks compared to like some person who bought a sealed Super Mario game for two million dollars. That's crazy. At an auction. Right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Super Potato, like yes those games are expensive but at the same time like they're largely basing their prices off of like you know the highest price going on ebay which is what a lot of brick and mortar stores do anymore i mean it's been a long time now where even looking locally um at some of the game shops here uh the chain that shall not be named um (laughs) You know, a lot of that pricing now is just based off of online aggregators, which, you know, finished values in eBay play a huge role in shaping those prices. 
So, you know, super, super potato is one thing and they've been doing that for a long time. And, you know, I think we all sort of know like what that is. Like if you're going to dip into that, because you're like, you're really hot and bothered about finding, you know, a nice pristine copy of something that is a hard to get Japanese game. Then, you know, you kind of know what you're getting into with that. Like that's going to be expensive, but you know, you're probably, you're going to actually get what you pay for with them. Um, yeah. And, but, and it's not going to be the cost of a mansion. It'll right. probably be the cost of a small car or something like that. Right. At, at the most. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to so be honest, gotta, in, yeah, in Japan, you can actually get a car for a thousand bucks. Right. True. Yeah. I, I don't know how it is in the States, but yeah. And even, you know, I mean, there's a, there's a very sort of varied ecosystem for finding those used games in Japan. I mean, yes, there might be like a sealed copy of game X or like a mint and complete one for like 200 bucks. But if you search through enough hard off stores or the like, you know, you might be able to find that elsewhere for like 80 bucks. You know what I mean? And it just sort of depends on like, well, how patient are you about attempting to find this thing? You know? Well, yeah. And (laughs) you'll eventually find what, I mean, unless it's so rare that there's like less than a hundred copies, you're going to be able to find something that's, if you really are a fan, it won't be something that's going to make you broke for the next five years mm-hmm. or 10 years or your lifetime. Right. But I think in general, um, especially with Wata, I don't know what they're doing with actual valid rare games, but with stuff like, you know, Super Mario 64 or Legend of Zelda, like a common game selling for millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. I think in terms of that, um, we're not going to see too many problems with games that are just you could build a fort with them like John mm-hmm. Madden or the original SMB but right. yeah we'll see what happens with the uh, the truly rare games hopefully that won't change too much unless Wata somehow gets their hands on those but they know they're, that that's not what makes the headlines no one's going right. to not many people are going to know what Panzer Dragoon Saga is or right. s- something like uh, Radiant Silver Gun or another really sought after rare game. Right. Yeah. So they know what not to play around with. So hopefully we're safe on that end. But mm-hmm. yeah, I just well, that- have one. Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, that's kind of part of the media. Like, I tip my hat to the Water Games people only because like they know what they're doing here like the attempt to drastically inflate the value of these relatively common games even though they're in uncommon condition like Mm -hmm. it is a definite strategy that's sort of aimed at making collectible games more expensive overall yeah because you know, you're generating that excitement with the headlines, you know, somebody that hasn't thought about, you know, 
the box of Super Nintendo or N64 stuff that's in the attic at their mom's house. You know, somebody that hasn't thought about that stuff in like 15 to 20 years might suddenly go, oh my God, like how valuable is the stuff that I have then? You know what I mean? Like it's really designed to perpetrate that sort of perception, you know, to get people going, oh man, like I definitely got to look at the crap that I've got in my basement because it, it must be worth a fortune too, you know? Uh, So it really does have like a, there is just like a negative drag to all of that because then, you know, people that really just want to play this stuff are ultimately going to end up having to pay higher prices. True. Yeah. So I just remember the stories with stadium events, that old NES game that used the power pad. I remember. Right. That's kind of like the, that was the beginning. Mm Mm-hmm. And then the yeah. Nintendo World Championships cart. That was mm-hmm. also a big story. Right. But then Wata came along and did the whole SMB thing. And yeah, then it got unbelievable. But I, I see what you're getting at. But mm, I don't know. I think they're pushing the company more than anything. I know that. Yeah. People, they want people to think, oh, yeah, if I look through my collection, I'll get get something to send to Wata, but I think it's more of a advertising thing for themselves than pushing the right. retro gaming mm-hmm. uh, genre. So, but yeah, uh, uh, my final question would be, uh, what would you pay for a mint copy of Super Mario Brothers for the Super, uh, the Nintendo Entertainment System? Five bucks. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Maybe a 20. <laughs> If it was yeah, sealed, man. maybe yeah. a 20, because that would be yeah. cool to just, like, put on a shelf. Yeah, and then but, just, yeah, play my yeah. other iterations on Nintendo Switch Online, and I have it on Game Boy, I have it on Game Boy Vance, and like right. my 3DS, and yeah, you name it. Well, that's the weird thing, too, <laughs> is that, like, none of these games are the ones that are, like in danger of disappearing at all you know what i mean like they've been preserved umptillion times um, oh yeah but yeah. it's just you know it's the overall sort of attempt to inflate this which again you know that benefits wada on both ends like if you're yeah. somebody that suddenly wants your collection valued wada's going to profit from that by doing the appraisal Mm-hmm. But then they're also going to profit on the end, other end of it by having all these different irons in the fire with regard to auctions. So, uh, but well, whack. Let Let's say uh, we compared this to Action Comics. What number one? The first appearance of Superman. What's the difference between that and uh, a sealed copy of Super Mario Brothers? Because uh, that Action Comics. That went for three million earlier this year, right? So uh, you know, it really like. I'm not sure what the numbers are, like what was originally printed, yeah, of that action comics, but I'd have to believe it's a lower number than the sheer number, you know, the sheer tidal wave of Super Mario Brothers cartridges floating around out there. 
Yeah, I would imagine how many million Super Mario Brothers carts right. worldwide compared to like action comics, how many printed? Maybe less than 10,000. I don't know. Mm, I'm probably well, greater than that, but I don't. But lost comics over time. Definitely not my specialty. Um, yeah. But, and this was at a time where people didn't even think about collecting comics. It was kind of like, hey, it's a comic. I'm going to read it probably throw it away <laughs> right? right back right. then it wasn't a thing to collect them but no. the people that held on to them wow they're rich now right but something like that but yeah it doesn't compare right no. not at all i don't think yeah. so um last but not least it was it has been a very exciting time continues to be for folks that are invested in the mr platform um the playstation core finally went public in the last two weeks and it's really like a genuinely impressive achievement for that core developer he's a guy by the name of robert pipe um he had been working on it in earnest i want to say maybe a year a year plus and Hmm. The core now is in really impressive shape. I mean, it's really kind of freakishly precise at this point. Definitely not bug-free, but um, it runs a number of games flawlessly. And, you know, I've obviously been enjoying and loving the Mr. Platform for about two years now since I got mine, you know really early on during the pandemic i was like uh this is a good time to buy one of these (laughs) (laughs) um but i definitely didn't think that within two years we'd have like a working and robust and you know feature laden playstation core so that's pretty fantastic you know big props to robert pipe for that work um you know, if you have a mister and you do the update all script, um, you can have that on yours now. Um, the other thing that's been really impressive, and this sort of ties into something that we just talked about in a weird way, um, the Super NES core was updated to have MSU support. And if you're not familiar with what MSU is, MSU is this sort of file format that allows somebody to embed higher quality audio and like, you know, think like first generation, like CD style video into super NES games. But the thing is that file format is still treated like a normal piece of data by either, you know, a Super Nintendo with like a flash card, like the FX Pack Pro, or like a higher end emulator can support it. Um, and the reason that I'm thinking that this connects to something we were talking about earlier, um, when you and I did our what ifs, like things about video game history that we would change, yeah. the thing that I brought up was what would happen if the original Nintendo and Sony co-developed playstation had actually made it to the market 
Mm. And one of the things that I was thinking about was that one line of content coming out could have been like fancier versions of Super NES games, big selling ones like Super Mario World or A Link to the Past, but maybe redone with fancier audio or Mm. some other bells and whistles, as was common with CD-ROM games at the time. Like You saw a lot of reissues from Sega in that way on the Sega CD. So I've downloaded some of these, you know, they're all hacked versions of these MSU games that are done by different people in the retro games community. Um, They're of a little bit of mixed quality. Some are a little bit janky where they didn't quite think about all the like, you know, the way a piece of a given song works, like with a menu, et cetera. But then some of them, are like exceedingly well done. Like the link to the past one, like that music gets really quiet when you go to the map screen, like the way it's supposed to. Um, mm, wow. So I don't know, like it's a really, really weird and interesting time on that front. And I think it's kind of fantastic that like the tools are out there. If you were like insanely passionate about like a 16 bit super NES game, and you just wanted to like give it that little extra oomph. Like maybe you're a musician and you're absolutely in love with the soundtrack to that game. And like, you want to churn out a version of it with like your own versions of those songs. Like that's pretty effing cool to me. Hmm. If they could swing it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I would think that'd be possible. And I think, yeah. uh, I think a potential project would be people love chrono trigger obviously that's mm-hmm. one of the best rpgs on the system yeah but some people swear by that version of the game some people really like the ds version of the game which has mm-hmm. added content right. and it has cutscenes, fmv mm-hmm. cutscenes, which so, originally came from the playstation version yeah Mm-hmm. So I would imagine someone would be, if they had the ambition and the technical know-how, they would try yeah. to put those cutscenes. put the, uh, I don't know if they changed the audio, but uh, from what I understand, the audio is different from the, uh, the original version and the DS version. Mm-hmm. So depending on the preference of whoever tinkers with this, they would probably either keep it the same, but maybe bring in the FMV cutscenes and also the added content somehow and make right. a perfect version of Corona Trigger because a lot of people keep saying, oh, I I would prefer the original script compared to the changed DS script where they rewrote a lot of things. Right. I, I, I don't know how much they rewrote, but they wrote it differently, basically. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's it would been be a nice thing with a lot of those SquareSoft re-releases. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of the GBA versions of the Final Fantasy games, they receive different, some would say more authentic, some would say there was something sort of left on the table from the soul of the original SNES releases. Yeah. But that's just like, that's a crazy subjective animal. Um mm but it's kind of great that you have this whole sort of, you know, this community of folks that 
do these different kinds of ROM hacks and whatnot that just, they love these games and they want to make their own perfect little version of it. So, yeah. you know, props to anybody that loves something enough to, to try and churn something like that out, you know? Okay. So James, I got a little question for you. Okay. Um, so would you rather play the games as they were intended as they were created and not alter them in any way? Or would you really try these MSU supported games that change maybe the soundtrack or add FMB or anything like that? I mean, most of the games that people are doing MSU patches or hacks for tend to be like super duper established classics. So in my head, like I definitely don't mind like trying a new spin on a favorite. Yeah. I think for the most part though, if I'm going to play a brand new game, I'd probably rather play the original first just Mm. because like, I want that same set of choices that the creator made. Yeah. And then once I'm familiar with the work, then I can take a look at somebody else's hack and be like, oh, this is what they were doing. And, oh, that's kind of cool. Or, oh, that's really not my bag. You know? Yeah. I think uh, that's how kinda, I go about it. I feel the same way. I think uh, when I talked about Star Tropics a few episodes ago, Mm-hmm. I think uh, you recommended that I play a version of it that kind of makes it better. Uh, the gameplay is better, but I said I just want to play the original as it was intended first and then try right. something like that. So, yeah, I would be in the same boat. I want to see. I want to be able to appreciate what the person did to change the original by playing the original first. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think it's the best. Great. Yeah. I agree. Exciting stuff I, for Mr. Yeah. Um, I think we should take a little break here. Um, our good friends at the Ruminations Radio Network, who of course make this and a variety of other podcasts happen, have some information for you on some of the other shows that you can catch right here on Ruminations Radio Network. Stay tuned. Hey kids, it's Don Shanahan from the Cinephile Hissy Fit, one of the podcasts on the Ruminations Radio Network. If you've been enjoying this show, come listen to Will Johnson and I fight it out over cinema's best and worst on Cinephile Hissy Fit. Find us and all the great shows over on ruminationsradionetwork.com. And we're back. Yay. Um, so this is going to be a strange now playing segment because as you intimated at the top of the episode, you haven't had time to play anything. Hell no. It's been busy. (laughs) But I know that there's a very big release that you were looking forward to. So why don't you talk about that? Okay. So Pac-Man Museum Plus is coming out next week and mm-hmm. i'm so excited to play it because of the fact that pac-man championship edition is one of my favorite games of all time right finally get to play that again and What's the last now, time you were able to play that uh when i had my xbox 360 close to 
17 years ago. <laughs> Maybe. Wow. I don't remember. So it's been wow. a long time. And I remember I was, say, I was. You got rid of that before you mm-hmm. moved to Japan, right? Yeah, I did. So yep. I missed that game so badly. And yeah, I was ranked in the top 100 before nice. I stopped playing. Um, so playing that game along with a few other games I never got to play that's included in the collection, I'm really excited to try out. Um, so um, I have to apologize because I have been a little bit on a media frenzy, as I would call it, because I've been... Instead of playing video games like I should, I've been unwinding after work by watching a certain episodic series. Uh, our good, great friend and uh, head honcho of Ruminations Radio Network, Mitch, who would be super happy to hear that I am continuing watching Twin Peaks. And nice. uh, I'm on season two, episode seven right now. And I'm loving it. I I think it's something that is just so out of there, but at the same time, so intriguing, so interesting, so funny. And it doesn't take itself seriously. And I'm excited to, after I watch this, there are other David Lynch, uh, I guess, movies or whatnot, like Lost Highway. That's... Mm-hmm actually available on you next which is uh what i'm watching twin peaks on so after nice. that i'm gonna try to decide what to watch a uh, fire walk with me or the update to twin peaks or lost highway or maybe i As think there's somebody, another uh, here here's what i would recommend yeah. and i don't know a hundred percent that like Mitch or the 25 years later crew would agree with this, but I'll let it fly just as somebody who my first intake of those shows only occurred in the last two and a half years. Yeah. Um, But in that stretch, since the pandemic started, because my lady is a huge twin peaks fan. Yeah. We have watched the original two seasons of twin peaks Firewalk with me and the return three times. Okay. Nice. Um, (laughs) Three times. The thing is, um, I would definitely recommend not skipping over Firewalk with me before you watch the return because there is a lot of groundwork for how this entire Blue Rose universe sort of works that is okay. laid out and expanded upon in fire walk with me. Okay. So and definitely. I haven't, I haven't even gotten to that blue rose part. Right. I know we have a, we have a podcast on the ruminations radio network called blue rose task force. Mm-hmm. And I knew it had something to do with twin peaks, but I haven't gotten to that point in twin peaks right. where it even talks about it. So I'm excited to know what that's all about. Yep. So I'm in the rabbit hole and I'm stuck deep, but I don't regret it at all because I'm having such a good time. It's actually my, it's doing wonders for me. Like I'm 
so stressed out at work, but after work, I'm always looking forward to that next episode of Twin Peaks. And I have at least another, what, three weeks worth of material. It's going to be great. Maybe this is the part of every show where we just talk about what we're watching. Well, that too, you can say what we're watching, but I think since it's video game based. called Stream Weaver. (laughs) But I don't plan to make this normal. It's just something that kind of like a blip. Yeah. I usually, you know, ever since we started this podcast, I've been playing a lot more games. And I don't get me wrong. I haven't given up on games, obviously. Oh, Um, of course. I'm not at that point. But I think at for this these two weeks after golden week ended it just got crazy busy so i needed something to really chill me out and Mm -hmm. twin peaks really hit the spot and i'm also watching uh chip and dale's rescue rangers that new movie it's actually good i thought it was gonna suck but it's actually good and uh i'm halfway through it and Uh, that's the thing is i okay yeah. I learned I, I watched that trailer after I knew who was involved. Uh, okay. So I had the advantage of knowing that like Andy Samberg and the other Lonely Island guys yeah. basically had an idea for it that was like quasi Roger mm. Rabbit ish. So those things all speak to me. So I was entirely on board with the idea. But yeah, I'm I didn't know that, that Yeah. No, I'm glad that this has proven to be contrary to what your first impression was oh yeah me being out here in japan and having no idea what andy sandberg or lonely island is or who is andy sandberg i was just watching the trailer and i was like why do chip and dale have regular voices oh man why is dale 3d now this is gonna suck and then right now i understand those things have explanations man (laughs) <laughs> and there's a lot of great references a lot of video game references too i mean you even see the chippendale rescue rangers video game from capcom mm-hmm. which damn it capcom man bring that to switch i need it i need it i've never they played had a it. number of reissues of that already right wasn't that part of the wasn't there that saturday morning capcom collection yeah it's on all platforms except for nintendo switch uh, I'm guessing something hit a snag either with Nintendo or Capcom and that's why it's not on that platform Bummer. and it's a waste because that's those are Nintendo Entertainment System games <laughs> right why isn't it on a Switch it yeah. doesn't make sense something's up uh, licensing the, this, is Someone... a, this is a case for the Rescue Rangers to find out what's going right. on right <laughs> <laughs> Well, that still sounds like an enjoyable ball of stream weaving. Um, yes. You know, because sometimes you got to just like, you know, sometimes it's difficult to muster up the energy to play something after you've had a long day at work and you just want to veg out. So, yeah, completely but understand that. I'll be back to normal next time. How about nice. you? What's going on with well, you? As I have been off and puttering around the house and doing some different things, um, obviously I've been experimenting a lot with the aforementioned PlayStation Core and Mm -hmm. those Super NES MSU games. Um, I've also still been playing the hell out of the Flying Shark, Fire Shark, 
compilation for PS4 put out by the lovely people at M2. Um, Still playing that on a semi-regular basis. Um, I've also been dabbling with Elden Ring. uh, Optimus mentioned that he saw you playing that online on yeah. uh, the adult gamer. When I was mm-hmm. listening, I was like, eh, what? <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, I don't think it would be a game that you would hate. It's just that, I mean, you- I've never been like a consistent or steady player of the from software games. And there's actually yeah. a fairly concrete reason for this. When I had my apartment burglarized in 2009, yeah, I had a PS3 and a copy of Demon Souls that I'd been playing for about a week. And I was mm-hmm. enjoying it at the time, but then I was not able to play it anymore. So uh. that sort of took me away from that particular realm you know that subset of games for a really long time literally ripped from your hands pretty much um but with this elden ring title um it's enjoyable it's intense um i don't personally think it's as insanely batshit hard as some of the other souls games have purported to be but I also never spend a lot of time with them, so I can only, you know, evaluate Elden Ring as I'm spending time with it. Um, you know, well, it's uh, I can see why it's garnered such an immense following. Um, you know, whether you're like a f- from software souls head from way back, or if you're just trying that out for the first time, I think it's. I think it's pretty well balanced, especially given its whole sort of open world approach. It's awesome to hear that you're playing it, man. And I'm going to have to live vicariously through you asking you how you're doing in Elden Ring and seeing if you will finish it. Because I heard that a lot of people are spending up to a hundred hours playing this game. Yeah. And it's mostly because not only is it open world and there's so much more to see than a normal souls game, but just in general, uh, the challenge is definitely there, but it's just, uh, figuring out what to do as well and Mm -hmm. all the side quests. So it'd be interesting to see if you'll do it without any assistance or if you're just gonna say, you know what, I'm just gonna try to, watch some YouTube videos or watch someone on Twitch and see what they're doing. And maybe that'll give me ideas on what to do for my own situation. I mean, it's just, you have to accept that this game, like the whole style of it, like the main character that you control is just really lumbering, you know, almost regardless of like, what class you pick. Like I picked the samurai Natch. Um, (laughs) And he, you know, he starts out with a bow and a katana and his sword swings are pretty slow. Um, But it's just like, you know, whatever it is that you're going to attempt to kill, like you need to spend a little bit of time watching it move first. And at Mm -hmm. least, getting a load of like what one attack cycle from it is 
Yeah. And so from there, it's like, okay, if I get this close to this thing, you know, and it's like just a foot soldier with a spear, like he's probably just going to step forward and do that advancing stab. So hmm. it's like, get close to him, force him to do that, do your roll around the side, and then do your quicker slash attack. And so, you know, the game is just sort of a series of things like that. And of course, you know, there's curveballs galore in the form of, oh, you started fighting that thing, but you didn't see the three others that were hiding in the bushes that have oh. now descended upon you. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it's full of rude surprises. It's a very beautifully realized world. Um, and I can definitely see why, you know, it's good to see that like a genuinely good game like that has done you know, so well in the marketplace, you know, it actually sort of buoys my spirits a bit. I'm like, Oh, okay. Like this is a really good game and it's doing really well. And that's, you know, I feel like that's always good for the industry, you know? Yeah. As I mentioned before, this is a model game where they're not pushing endless amounts of DLC. Mm -hmm. It's a finished game from the very beginning. Yeah. And just in general, it's a lot to go through with and it makes it makes it worth your money um totally i would play it if i if i had time and if mm -hmm. i had a nice ps5 <laughs> i right. mean i have a ps4 but even that's just i don't have time to play any ps4 stuff nowadays so i just have my right. switch i it's much more versatile for me but yeah yeah po post some stuff on your your twitter show us i should what your character looks like and some good action moves. And uh, I think uh, some of the boys in our network, especially the guys at Brevity Box, uh, mm -hmm. they're playing Elden Ring. They'll be glad to hear yeah. that you're playing it too. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's yeah. really probably like the first sort of you know, like super duper triple A massively discussed game that I've spent time with in a while. But, you know, yeah. it's a quality game. And I think. You know, regardless of what genres you normally gravitate towards, like I think it's it's something that's genuinely worth everybody's time to at least try. Yeah, definitely um, enjoy it, man. Yeah, have fun. So beyond it. that, um, the only other thing I'm playing right now, I finally got unstuck in Super Mario RPG, Ooh. which is another like long-standing unfinished business sort of title but oh you know God. that game's delightful yeah i still need to play that game and yep. speaking of mario rpgs you know the mario and luigi series mm -hmm. uh the rpg series uh they remade that on 3ds and i remember i was playing the first one and i got stuck as well on a certain yeah. part and i never mm -hmm. i haven't played it ever since and that was like two three years ago Oh, so you should fire maybe, that bad boy up again. Yeah, I haven't touched my 3DS in ages, so I think yeah. maybe soon that'll be time to get myself Just unstuck. a word. Yeah, just a word to every RPG developer out there. Yeah. There was a feature in Fantasy Star 4, which of course mm. I beat last year and was over, you know, over the moon to finally finish. Yeah. There's a feature in that game it just says talk 
And it just makes your characters talk about where they are and what they need to do next. And it should yeah. be in every game like this. <laughs> you you mentioned that before, but it, yeah. it, it's worth repeating over uh-huh. and over <laughs> and over again until you yep. do it, please. Yep. And yeah. uh, Dragon Quest Eight does this too. Uh huh. Yep. Yep. When you yeah, talk the with your Quest characters, games do in fact do that. Yeah. So it just do makes it. all it just makes all the sense in the world, man. Just yeah, we're busy people. We can't play RPGs <laughs> for days on end. There's going to be times right. where stuff happens and we can't play it for days or weeks or months or years, and we we don't want to start over. Get throw us a freaking bone here. Totally. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so last but not least. Um, I was listening to the Retronauts podcast, which, of course, is a great podcast. Jeremy Parrish and friends um, throwing down yeah. some wonderful retro knowledge on a regular basis. I love them, um, too. And this question is lifted directly from their recent episode because we were squinched for time. I've been moving crap around my house and you've been busy. But mm-hmm. I think it's it's an interesting enough one to do our own dive into big question time yep what is a game you know is bad but enjoy and find something to love within anyway (laughs) all right um well this may surprise you but may not but i would i had to look deep 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 and there was actually one game that I right. wouldn't mind playing again. And at the time when I played it, I don't know why I liked it. Other people hate this game. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was cool. Right. This game is Gogol 13 for NES. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the way I started playing this is, uh, I think I told you in uh, one of the earliest episodes of Oh God, It Hurts. Um, mm-hmm. There's a guy that uh, I went to church with him and my family and I, uh, my brother and sister, we hung out at his house uh, from time to time. And he had an NES and that's where I started playing Tecmo Bowl because he was a big football fan. And I loved playing uh, whatever he had on his NES. And another game he had was Gogol 13. And Mm -hmm. Gogol 13 is notoriously hard. It's super vague when it comes to what you're supposed to do in the game. Vic Tokai, and, right? Yes, Vic Tokai. Mm-hmm. And the game is freaking hard. It's extremely <laughs> hard. And the controls are not great. I mean, your character, Gogo 13, Duke Togo, that's his name. He mm-hmm. jumps super high. Like if you can imagine Virtual Fighter 1. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's how so it's high all like he high jumps. and floaty floaty and you shoot a gun that and the bullets go super slow Mm -hmm. and i remember my friend said yeah i guess you could play it but i don't know what you're doing (laughs) (laughs) like almost almost chagrin that he owns it (laughs) yeah exactly right he's like yeah i got it Uh, (laughs) you know 
if uh, you want to. Yeah, have at it. <laughs> so I remember one night I was like, all right, uh, my brother is hanging out with him and my sister's hanging out with, you know, my friend's sister who are great friends. And I'm here yeah. sitting in my friend's bedroom playing Google 13. And I was like, I'm just going to beat this game. <laughs> and somehow I did. I don't know how. I was yeah. like, well, I, I was like, what, maybe 14, 15 at the time. And mm-hmm. this game has limited continues. And right. I mean, if it had unlimited continues, it would eventually be beaten. But I think it's pretty generous with the continues. But there are parts of the game, especially the underwater parts where you're doing scuba diving. Mm-hmm. And the under uh, underground layers that are in those underwater scenes are so yeah. freaking difficult. You're going to like burn through lives like nothing. And think about this. It's lives we're talking about that mm-hmm. you only have one life. You lose a right. life. That's one continue. And I think Oof. there's like 50 continues, but they go quick during the wow. latter parts of the game. Somehow. I got to the end and it's not much of a, I mean, if I spoil it, spoil it, I'm sorry, but this game's not great from what everyone <laughs> else says. So I don't think you're going to care, but basically it was cathartic to have like a sniper scope focus on the last guy you're supposed to kill. And then you shoot him, and then you see the end. And I told my friend, Hey dude, I beat it. It's like, get out of here. No way, you beat the You couldn't believe it. But yeah, I beat it. You yeah. did beat it. I did beat it. And he was nice. shocked. He thought it was impossible, but I did it. And I would play that game again because I'm... I, 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 Google 13, <laughs> baby. It's good. Nice. Anyways, that's mine. How about you? Right on. Um... Would you say it's harder than Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles on the oh, NES? Easily. Easily. Wow. Easily. Yeah. That. The GoGo 13 takes no prisoners, man. Like, Ninja Turtles, it's difficult. But to be honest, like, Shredder has a pattern that you can easily exploit. And, yeah, the Technodrome sucks. But, I mean, uh-huh. I beat TMNT, too. And it mm-hmm. was tough. But Gogo 13 was like in a slightly higher tier up top. Wow. Wow. So both are very tough games. But yeah, Gogo 13, I think, is a little bit tougher, to be honest, because it's vague as well. At least Ninja Turtles, you kind of know what you're doing. Right. Kind of know what the objective is. Gogo 13, you're like, I'm stuck in a maze. I don't know what to do. So you do random stuff until you get through. So you're and, admitting that like this is a bad and difficult game. Yeah. But what is the thing about it that kept you coming back or even kept it alive in your mind enough to the point that you would bring it up now? Well, number one, the character itself. I didn't even know who Duke Togo was until I played. Oh, this you game. hadn't you hadn't seen the OAV before playing the game? No, never. I okay. never heard about it. And it, this was before I was really into anime at all or right. even knew what okay. it was. So, yeah, when I found out, hey, oh, this is part of a cartoon. Yeah, I want to watch it now. 
that right. it's kind of like the whole Indiana Jones thing. I didn't know what it was until I played it in a video game. You know me. <laughs> well, that's the thing but, is I'm pretty sure that that game hit the shelf. Yeah. Before it was at all possible to watch the anime. Yeah, I think so. I think at so. least here in the U.S. Yeah. So it's pretty surprising that that company would just say, hey, we think this can stand up entirely on its own merits. You know what I mean? Without the obvious, like, you know, promotional tie-in to this known quantity. Yeah, I agree. But they took a risk. I mean, Vic Tokai wasn't a big company, so they had to bring out what they could bring out. So They took a risk and you got the reward? (laughs) <laughs> some would say no but i thought right. it was pretty cool but yeah. another thing that got me hooked was the music there was like mm-hmm. a theme song that it had in the game that was just really catchy nice so that's what kind of kept me going well, but the gameplay a lot of great music on the nes you know yeah yeah classic music <laughs> but um yeah the gameplay was you know a lot to be desired and definitely the game planning was kind of crap, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a good romp. I'll do it again. Still stuck with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How so about you, man? when I brought this topic up with you, and yeah. I mentioned the game that I was going to talk about, mm-hmm. you knew that that ahead of time that this is where I was going yeah. with this. Yeah, um, I've seen you play it. I've seen you talk about it. <laughs> you. You talk about it. You talked about it nonstop when I was living with you years ago. So I know. I know. I, yeah. J- just tell them what it is. I, it's, so <laughs> we're going to go back to the spring of 1999. Mm-hmm. And I had an import Dreamcast. There was a pretty cool store up in Phoenix, which is about 100 miles north of Tucson. That That was the place where I scored my import Dreamcast console. And they were regularly bringing in new import titles for it. And so it was on some nameless spring day that I acquired Blue Stinger. (laughs) Now, it was one of those things where, like, I knew right out of the box that this was not a great game. Like... (laughs) They're, you know, if you're not familiar with Blue Stinger, essentially it's a third person action game <sighs> that is somewhat similar in execution to something like Resident Evil, only absolutely sillier in every way possible. Basically, the entire game feels like a very schlocky B movie sci fi premise in that you're this young buck doing research on this island. This thing falls from space. Um, You go to investigate it, and then suddenly there are all these sort of mutated people and other creatures floating around this that are, like, inhabiting the, you know, the different pathways around this research institute on this island. I don't know why I enjoyed this game so much 
I don't know why I wound up beating it multiple times. I mean, the obvious answer is that, you know, when you have pretty much any video game system within its first year, there's going to be moments where you're starving for new titles. Yeah. And with this game, like, oh, like, I I can't even explain, like, why I was so motivated. Because, like, there were things about it that I really enjoyed, like, it is an incredibly Japanese game in that yeah. there are vending machines for all of the weapons. There are yeah. vending machines for the health <laughs> items. Yep. There's also a sequence in the game in which you were doing like a redemption stamp rally where you have wow, to go. Oh, really? You have to go between different kiosks in these convenience stores and like match the stamp with whatever the graphic is on the machine. Like it has all these really ludicrous things in the game. It also takes place around Christmas. So there was like Christmas music playing in the stores in the middle of like this ridiculous sort of zombie outbreak. Like there's absolutely nothing consistent about this game's theme whatsoever. And it really Mm. just felt like, some people were making a game and they brought up things to put in it. And no matter what it was, somebody went, okay. (laughs) You know, like they would just (laughs) add whatever it was. Like you had two playable characters. One was just like the very like straight laced young guy with short hair, jeans and a blue t-shirt. I think his name was Elliot. And the yeah. other guy that was playable was like this fatter, older dude with a beard and a do-rag whose name was Dogs. And one mm. thing that set Dogs apart was that he had a t-shirt that said Karate Man. <laughs> and so if you quit the t-shirt that said Karate Man, then he could do like these extra moves in combat. Wow. He still basically sucked. But... <laughs> Um, I don't know, like, and from what I understand, like, this was definitely not, like, a finest hour for, like, camera movement in the game. Like, it had a fairly shitty camera, but from what I understand, the fixes that were made to the American version, which came out at launch here in the U.S., which I never actually played, apparently they made it worse when they brought it out here but I wow. have still never verified this for myself. So mm. blue stinger. I know you're a giant piece of shit, but you still have a place in my heart as this thing that allowed me to enjoy more of the dawn of the 128 bit era in a completely uh, unserious fashion. Wow. So, <laughs> So do you think the genre had anything to do with you liking it? Like maybe the I mean, I definitely thing? enjoyed the schlocky sci-fi-ness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are also a lot of moments of really odd and bizarre humor. Like yeah. there's one point <coughs> at which Elliot and dogs wind up in a sauna together. Yeah. And so like you can see that like they both sort of drop trow and they're in there. And there's a moment where Dogs looks at Elliot and he goes, huh, you're more man than I thought. 
And Elliot goes, shut up. <laughs> Hilarious. I yeah. mean, it's just, it makes no sense. It's completely inconsistent in every way. Like, I would even say the monsters and creatures and bad, you know, the baddies in the game. Mm-hmm don't really even seem like they were designed by the same source in a consistent way. Like it's really a game that's just absolutely all over the place. Um, and it's really weird the way you have to like grind for money to get access to the better weapons. But at the same time, like if you're okay with doing that, like you can get the best weapon in the game in fairly mm. short order and then just chop the rest of it to pieces. Nice. So Yeah, I was just asking about if you like the genre or not, because I think that's the reason why I was into Google 13 as well. I, I didn't mention that, but I really like spy games and spy themes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's why I took to Duke Togo because he's the Japanese version of James Bond and he's super popular here in Japan. And right. unfortunately, the manga artist died uh, a year or two ago. But his, right, I remember uh, hearing about that. Yeah, but his uh, character's legend lives on. And I mean, they're still going to make movies and cartoons. And uh, I don't know about video games, but definitely manga. But yeah, yeah I was just wondering about see that was the, the thing genre. i think like because i like i was never able to get into resident evil to the mm-hmm. same extent that a lot of other people did and i think, i did yeah i got into it definitely. yeah i didn't like i was really frustrated by like a combination of the tank controls mm-hmm. and the sort of what you know the way that like the polygon characters interacted with this very static backdrop and then yeah. you would walk out of the frame and then the frame and the perspective would change. Yeah. So it wasn't I think for the everyone. weird, I think the weird thing that I found liberating about fucking blue stinger yeah. was the fact that because it was on this for the time advanced piece of hardware, like it was all in 3d. And it was all like taking place, you know, there would be, there would be seams between like larger areas of the game, but it wasn't bound by that whole thing where you had like a pre-rendered backdrop, your character, and then like a couple of zombies or whatever. And fixed camera angles that change every time you move out. Right. Yeah. So I think I I was drawn to those things and sort of the you know, the campiness of it. So, hmm. well, there it is. I, I, I do have one question then, because yeah. if you're a fan of blue stinger, uh, who makes blue stinger, by the way, a company called climax. Yeah. Have you ever mm-hmm. tried ill bleed? Cause I heard ill bleed was also pretty popular. Oh, I heard it was. Following. Yeah. Um, I think to be honest, I didn't cotton to that one because I was never that big on horror things, especially in that time. Hmm. Maybe worth a look again. I don't know. But yeah. if you ever get access to it. I understand that's also like a ridiculously expensive game now. Yeah. 
Stupid WADA. <laughs> stupid, stupid WADA. We're going to blame everything on them. <laughs> I think but so. I hope that Climax... I, I, are they still around, man? I, I don't know. Uh, but... I have heard hide nor hair of them in quite a yeah. long time, so... That's too bad. Probably not. I'd imagine whatever talent they had has been scattered to the four winds or mm. are now working for other larger software developers. I mean, that's what oh. seems to happen is that you have a lot of people from that time who worked at smaller companies that are now just, they're mm. still in game development, but they're probably doing it for one of the bigger companies now. Yeah. Well, maybe, uh, can find it somewhere, somehow play it some yeah. way, you know, exactly. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but at any rate, um, we're basically out of time for this edition of Oh God, it hurts. Um, as always, it has been a pleasure to sit and chat with my good friend, Eddie. Um, you got any last words for the people, Ed? Yeah. Visit us on Twitter. Yay. Oh God, it hurts. Oh God, it HZ. Oh God, it HZ on Twitter. Um, what are your personal handles, Ed? Uh, Game Agent ET on Twitter and Instagram. And how about you, nice. James? You can find me on Instagram at, at SuperBarioCart. Um, and you can also find me on Twitter as well. Yeah. Go look up James's uh, Twitter account, especially so he can show you what his character looks like in Elden Ring. Please. <laughs> we'll see what I can do about that. I would Thanks love for that, stopping sir. by, everybody. Goodbye. We'll, we'll see you on the next episode of Oh God It Hurts. Ta-ta. See ya.